Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a process that unlocks the full potential of your company by solving the problems that are impacting your growth. I want to thank our sponsors, the Collaborative Community of San Diego Business Organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local San Diego. We're all focused on supporting this next generation of leader. Welcome to the show. The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you live and lived well. This quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson hangs in the office of today's guest, who is walking this out personally and professionally every day. Mary Jean Anderson... Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. I'm excited about this. I'd like to share my experiences, the good, bad, and the ugly, and if it'll help someone, I'm glad I took the time to do it with you. We're very excited to have you here. Yes. I'm so if you didn't know, Mary Jean is the founder, president, and CEO of Anderson Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Yes, the plumbing company with the pink trucks. To be honest with you, I didn't, I'm kind of oblivious to the world. My wife said, oh, she's the one with the pink trucks. <laughs> I see him everywhere now. I saw him yesterday. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing. Everywhere. Founded in 1978, Mary Jean has led her company on an amazing journey to being one of the premier companies in our community of San Diego. The company has received many accolades for the work they do, along with being a perennial winner, including 2022 with the Better Business Bureau's Torch Awards for Ethics. Building such a significant business certainly came with considerable twists and turns, but when you get behind the scenes... It's the beliefs and values that Mary Jean has brought to the company and to the community that is the foundation of this success. I'm very excited to hear the inspiring story of how the Lady in Pink has been able to achieve what she's achieved in a male-dominated world of plumbing, heating, and air. Mary Jean, are you ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. I want to start a little bit. I think when people look at someone like yourself that's been highly successful, there's this thought that, oh, that just sort of happened, right? Like, lucky you. And it, often we don't think about, man, often there's lots of twists and turns. I've had a chance to uh, see some other interviews you've done and uh, read part of your book. And you've had quite the challenges with the business. I mean, you've had kind of different ownership uh, along the way from how it was founded to where you are today. 08 was a challenge. Maybe share a little bit with the audience uh, the story of the business and especially uh, kind of maybe the defining moments for you in that journey. Okay. That sounds fun. I'm excited to do this. Sure. So um, originally this was a business that my husband and I started together. I was in nursing. I would do the paperwork at night and he ran it, you know, during the day. And in 1983, things were, the wheels were coming off the bus and I'm a helper. You know, when you get into nursing or any of those type of positions, you like to help fix things, make it better. So it was, um, I decided to leave the industry I thought I'd have plenty of time to have kids, and which we did, but and do the business at the same time. We worked together, and for many years, um, it was a struggle, and we had different business beliefs. He really struggled towards the end uh, with, with the customer service aspect of it, how things were changing that way, and it frustrated him. So we'd gotten divorced in 2000, it was final, 
in 2004. We worked together, divorced, and it actually worked better. And um, in 2004, Funny how that works. Sometimes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I decided to get my real estate license and leave the business. He didn't know that I was doing this, you know, and gathered my books, got my classes assigned. And one day he walked into my office and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like it. I don't like where it's going and I'm going to try something else. And I'd like to know if you'll buy me out. That was talk about like a, a, a cha- scary like put, moment right there. Very scary. Cause it's like, put your money where your mouth is. You've been complaining all this time. It's not being done. Well, it's not being done. Right. Now you either take it and become a failure because you weren't right to begin with, or, you know, you walk, you both walk away. I slept on it and I decided, you know, what? I'm going to give it a run for my money. I'm going to, you know, put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. At that point, we were somewhat in debt and I had to pay him, of course, as well. It was a scary time, but that's what started everything is I had read a couple of books that were really important to me along the way that, that got me there. And we can get into that. Yeah, but, I love to hear. but so when I took over the business, we had 30 employees. We were doing about 3.2 million in revenue. So um, a sizable business. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, well, today we're 54 million right, in revenue. But still. With, uh, you had 265 <laughs> employees. Plus growing and we have a substantial, we just finished our budget for next year. So we have substantial growth plan for next year as well. We became the top 1% in the United States, typically in our industry, plumbing and HVAC. People only make it about till they get to about three trucks and they say, the, uh, and then they go out. So I think it's something like 97% of the businesses out there in this industry are three trucks or less. Small, small, yeah, small smaller companies. Yeah. So it is different. And that's what I think brought us into the one, the top 1%. So we've had success and people say, well, why? And I said, because I never cared about how big we got. I cared about making a difference in people's lives. Coming from a blue collar, my dad was blue collar in, from a white collar family. My mother's family were immigrants from Italy. My mom, one of 12 kids, and the first, number nine, to even get to graduate high school because the rest had to go to work during the Depression to support the family. So I had a really interesting upbringing. But I saw my blue-collar side of the family, which was my mom's, and my dad is blue-collar, who was super, super smart, and he was very mechanical. He just learned a different way. Um, I was always really proud of him, even though I think in his family he didn't have the respect. And so when we got into this industry, I wanted to change it. I want people to know how smart I get emotional. I talk about how smart blue collar people are and how they may learn differently than a white collar person, but they still put the same energy and hard work and effort into everything they do. And we're all different people, but we're all the same. And so that was how I jumped into the industry, decided to take over because I want to make a difference. If any listeners have extra time, which none of us do these days, there's a funny video my son did called Pants on the Ground. It's it's on YouTube and it talks about the plumber that I didn't want to be. And it's, you know, I wanted to really work on people understanding that this is a career. It's not like Moonstruck, the movie where the plumber scratches the pipe and says it's going to be $10,000 or Home Alone where they're criminals, because that's where we got in our industry, but that's not who we are. If you think about it, SARS and all those diseases came from not having proper water systems. And so what we do really is the health of the nation. Try to take this industry away and see what disease we have, right? And I wanted people to really understand that. So that's where I started is taking these people and helping them understand who they are and be proud of themselves and go out there and do quality work 
And that's what we built it on. Oh, I love that's that. That's how it got started. That's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is not about the profit. We got to have profit. That's right. part of the equation. Right. Interesting enough, you do things right, you get more profit. You're, right. you're proven that fact. But it's really about having a higher purpose. You as a leader having an opportunity to express yourself through the business. And that's mm-hmm. what you were doing. Yeah, it's been a wonderful platform. How, how did you land on that? Because, I mean, I struggle trying to get people to understand that today, right? It's like, you know, you have a higher a higher purpose here. You have a platform. You get, and people go, what? So how did you land on that? Because that was a while ago. This is, you were kind of a, head of the curve a bit back when you were taking that approach. I think I've always felt that way about life. I think some people, maybe it's just born in them. I love to make a difference. I love to see, I've got so many stories that I could tell, and I know we don't have time for all of them, but about a young lady who is our top technician in the HVAC side who was homeless. At the time I hired her, she now has four kids and is on her second house as a technician. She was living in her car when I hired her. And so when you see somebody like that, that's, you know, everyone, my kids and everyone in our company will all tell you the same thing. They say, if you're not growing, you're dying. We have to continue to grow the company to be successful. And they'll say, you can make all the money in the world, but you can't take it with you. And it's just a deep belief I've always had how you ha- always had and how you started with what is on my letterhead. I mean, on my, you know, in my emails and posted on my wall right above my desk. It's um, what you leave behind. It's your the legacy. difference you make. It's your legacy. It's the difference it's not the inherent, you it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the legacy. It's right. what you put into people. Right. right. Yes. And, you know, other than that, you can, like I said, make all the money in the world, but it really doesn't do you any good unless you've left something behind to make the world better. And that's always been my thought. Let's leave the world a little bit better because we were here. We're not here to come in and destroy it, take everything we can and walk away. And so that philosophy has been a trickle down throughout our company. Yeah, it starts at the top, which Mm -hmm. becomes part of the Mm -hmm. values and part of who we are as an organization. And then uh, that's what you get to be known as in in the community. When you said uh, the kind of blue collar my wife said this to me. I never thought about this before. And she said to me, she said, she Jeff, you're a blue collar guy in a white collar job. <laughs> she oh, said, yeah. And, I, and it's kind of me. I mean, I have an engineering degree. So I was fortunate. My parents sent me off to school and I got a degree and stuff. But I remember some of my happiest days is back working in the factory, had my machine builder guys and we're out there doing our thing. And everybody had a role to play. And, and kind of back to what you said, it's like, you know, people can do some amazing work if you just let them go do that. And yeah. I learned that early on in my management leadership roles is, yeah, you can do that. And they kind of look, are you sure? I can do yeah, well, let's see what happens. It's interesting you say that because I think about that when people ask, like, how were you so successful? And I think about it in that I did let early on, you know how things happen in your life. Early on, I was told a story about a man who produced a play. And in this play, originally he had built, he was sound. He had built the stages. He had acted in the plays. He had done every part of putting on a play that you could put together. And then when he comes to produce his own play, finally, after he's done every single part, the play comes out a disaster and he can't figure out why. And he realizes that he had controlled everything so it fell apart because he didn't allow people to do their jobs. And I think that has been one of the successes that people say, what do you... What do you attribute your success to? And I think two things. My mom always said, show me your friends and I'll tell you all about you. I heard that growing up in Italian too, but growing up and it really. You got both versions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, and I think that was a really big part of it is that I was never afraid to hire people smarter than me or that complemented my weaknesses. Numbers are awful to learn how to do balance sheets and financials. You know, when I came from on a hands-on nursing 
it was difficult, but, um, you know, I always hired people that complimented me that were my weaknesses, hire your weaknesses and hire people smarter than you and allow them to do their jobs. And I think that if I had to put it all in a nutshell, I think that's where I would go as what really got us to where we are today. What do you you think gave you that confidence to do that? Because I think what you're describing is that big step that people have to take. I mean, I I look at corporate America, you almost look at any functional area. We uh, make a big mistake where we go, well, here's the best salesperson, so let's make them the sales manager. Here's the best accountant, let's make them the finance manager. And they're two different kinds of jobs. So the person all of a sudden was the best finance person is now the manager. They kind of kind of default to like, okay, I know how to do this better than everybody else. Hmm. So they don't let the people sort of step up. And so I think there's a, there's a confidence comes with being in the manager to say it's okay to have smarter people than me and to actually let go of this thing. What, what, what gave you the confidence to say, I'm, uh, yeah, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room or what, what do you think that came from? Something from your childhood or? Um, it, it gets a little bit personal, but I'm going to go there just because. Awesome. We love so, that. Yeah. So um, I'm dyslexic. I do have a minor form of dyslexia. And when I was in school, when I was in young, my mom had my IQ because everyone else was getting good grades and I always struggled my IQ tested and I had a high IQ. However, it was kind of for me as a young child, well, you're smart, you can do better. And so in my head, I just thought I was lazy. You weren't working hard enough. So I, yeah, I wasn't working hard enough. So I worked super hard at asking people for help and learning. The only way I knew I was going to get by is to not be afraid to ask for help and to seek people smarter than me and help them give me direction. I still had a very low self-esteem and low self-confidence didn't know what was wrong with me, did not get it. When my daughter was in ninth grade, she was diagnosed with a learning disability, the same learning disability I had. And then the lights went on and I realized, oh, you're not lazy. You know, you've got a high IQ. You're not. And I started feeling better about myself. And then I really, my husband and I were so, and he's a good man. So I'm not, I mean, we're still friends today. We get along very well. He comes for Christmas, Thanksgiving. We share our grandkids. Everything's good there. But we were just very different people. And I think that also held me down. And, but once I found out that I wasn't dumb or lazy, I started to believe in myself and every little step I took, I saw more and more success. And I think when she was diagnosed, it was just like someone flipped on a switch. Mm. And I realized, oh my gosh, that's been it all these years. So I was able to work with my learning disability. This is the product of it. Awesome. Isn't that crazy? Look at you now. Yeah, it's not crazy. <laughs> but it like it was just like that one thing. And when, once you were able to break through that, yeah, it things was. Things start to happen. Yeah. It, I, we I, all have something. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, all we got all have something. something right. We guess how successful. There's always that thing that, oh, you could have been that if you could just figure that piece out, right? Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree with you. So that was kind of the turning point there. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious some insights in this. So I mean, it's kind of ironic. I mean, you're everything opposite of what I would think when I think about plumbing. Yeah. (laughs) So here you are in this highly male dominated environment. Um, That had to be a very interesting journey. Maybe it still is today. It's not like the whole world is flipped and we're all uh, evolved or something. Maybe share a little bit for our audience. And I would say more than half my guests are women leaders. I I just (laughs) love that story. Talk about that a little bit. What's that experience been like? How did you deal with it? Maybe you had a story or something where you're able to kind of flip the thing. And again, maybe I found myself, you know, I, I, I can match up with these dudes that are causing me some grief or whatever. 
Yeah, it was nothing like that, actually. Oh, not that um, exciting. No, no, <laughs> I'm trying to make a whole I mean, movie no, out no, of this. It, no, but I mean, it, well, first of all, at the time I was in nursing, it was all females. So when I came to- you had the work, opposite problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I came to work in the industry, it was actually really refreshing. I loved the way men, you know, if they had an issue with you, they told you right away, mm. you worked through it. There were no hidden agendas. And I liked that. I liked that because that's the way I am. So I fit that way. But I will say it was very difficult early on, very difficult. I would walk into a room, you know, you get involved with organizations. I got into the PHCC, I'll never forget that, plumbing, heating, cooling, um, and air conditioning. So like a national yeah, kind of national, organization. Yeah, and I got into the local. And I remember I t- when I attended my first meeting, the wor- rumor was out that I was running the company. And I walked in and there was a group of men talking and they like shrunk it. Like you're not allowed in here. Really? They circled, I, they circled the wagon? Yeah, and all I thought at that point was, no, nah, that's not going to happen. So I just made my way through and, and just listened. And I don't think I said anything the first meeting, just listened. So it was difficult. There were a lot of rumors. I actually... Four years in, there were so many rumors that I actually went to counseling and I found an amazing therapist who helped me work through the stuff I was seeing. The rumors were unbelievable. And I'll say it. I don't care. I'm an open book. I was sleeping with the technicians. That's how come our company was growing. That all this stuff that Crazy. was so This far is like probably from, pre-social media, right? Yeah. Even, and, and, uh, and it was so hurtful because I was working so hard and I was reading everything I could and I was going, taking every class I could and I was putting all this energy in it to prove myself. Here's this woman with low self-esteem who didn't feel good about herself. Now I was given this opportunity and I worked so hard. So it was really hurtful to have people saying negative things that were so far from the truth. It was ridiculous. But I, I found a counselor. I would go, it was every other week for a period of time, like maybe a year and then probably once a month for another year. And he helped me work through those things. And so that was part of it. The therapy, I know that sounds, but I'm being honest, you know, if you want to know the truth, I'm telling you the truth. That helped me get through that. Today, it is different though. It is an advantage to being woman-owned, I think. I will say that the men I worked with were always on my side and they always wanted me to be successful. They knew, you know, we sat down when, when I had the 30 employees and we sat down together it might've been 32. We wrote a mission statement, which is in every single office. I don't care where you go in our company, every single office in the, and when you walk into our entrance, there's two giant ones. I'm going to say they're eight feet tall. Every meeting room, every personal office is our mission statement. This is who we agreed to be. And the statement is? It's, it's, you know, six paragraphs, but one of the top ones. But our beliefs. Yeah. As our beliefs is the customer's always right, even when they're wrong, that we take safety first over, you know, getting a job done, faster, quicker for more money, you know, just wrote like who we really are. And I really feel like if you're talking about business and someone's listening to this on another golden nugget, I could say is define who you are up front because the people that come along are the people that have that same mission or vision. So when we wrote the vision of who we were, it became our mission statement. When anyone's hired as part of the, even prior to the onboarding process is higher as in the interview process at the later stages of it, when we do the drug test, we show them our mission statement and say, is this something you could live by? Because this is who we are. And so you get those like people. And I've never had anyone say, no, I can't live by that. But it's just built on on who our core beliefs, which really came from as a group. And so when we wrote that, 
everyone on the team wanted to achieve it. This is what we want to do. So, and, and that, at that point, it was all men and me, but they had my back. So but you, you ever had a relationship with these folks, right? I mean, you've been working. Oh yeah, with I've been working with them. Oh yeah, for us. You know, I still work with. Did you get a sense like they're kind of like they almost had a relief that? Uh, I mean, let's face it: if your husband and you are arguing, I mean that that's not a secret, right? I mean, it it, it impacts the business, and so at some level, maybe there was like, oh, thank goodness, right? Yeah. <laughs> They've solved that problem, yeah. so now we can, you know, maybe we can start to move on a little bit here. And I was always the peacemaker. Mm. So when things went wrong, I was the one that brought everybody together and this is how we can do it. So, um, you know, and, and work through things. So if my husband who had to tend to be aggressive would upset someone, I would be the one that met them afterwards, calmed them down. And so um, it, it was kind of a natural flow. And when we decided as a team, and I still have, of those 32 people, I probably have 10 mm. that are still with me. And I'm talking 25 years. I have one guy 30 years. Wow, that's yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, they helped me write it. They agreed on who we were going to be and they are in leadership positions in the company over the years and have stayed with us. Awesome. Jose, I think of another guy that, you know, has, yeah. Um, and they just became the family, you know, we're bigger now. It's hard to be family. It really, but we work really hard on it to this day. I mean, every day of keeping that going. So you made a comment that's uh, kind of huge in regards to the whole idea of stakeholder capitalism or conscious capitalism, which is the idea you create a business and you have a certain ethos, mission, vision, a purpose of the business. Mm-hmm. It's what you guys created. And then you're inviting people in and not everyone, including the customers or vendors or whatever, are necessarily the right people for you. Right. But how would you know that unless you actually established this is who we are mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to invite you into and then also creates the opportunity that once you got that, then they can own that and actually help take that to another level. But it starts with a foundation of that. Right. And it's okay. You don't want, you don't need to be everything to everybody, but right. for the people that you want to play with and you want right. to go to work with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very exciting. I love, I love that. Yeah. It was really a key, a key, you know, if you go through and you want to know what are the key points, I always go with my mom, show me your friends and I'll tell you all about you. You have to get the right people on the right seats on the bus you really have to focus on hiring, you know, and on recruiting. It's super important. And you have to live the values that you recruited those people based on. And I think that, you know, that's been, yeah. I mean, you're running a good sized business here and you just made the comment. It's, it's tough to keep that family feel and some of these things, but you know, same token, it's so critical mm-hmm. that we're all lined up and pushing in the same direction. We get the right people. And what do you do today to try and keep that? I mean, you got a couple of things that you always keep in mind in regards to either the hiring or just some of the things you do on a regular basis. I mean, what, what do you do to try and maintain that the best you can? Because that is a challenge the bigger you get. I walk around every morning. Ah, okay. That's hard for me to do because I'm a get stuff done person, but I, I make it a Walking big, around, rubbing elbows. Yeah, like. <laughs> I, I walk around and just say hi, just yep. to who I can. I don't do the whole building, but I spend a lot of time actually thanking people during the day. We do a lot of follow-up with, you know, reviews. We call all of our customers. We send them a text asking how we did. You know, we look to try to get where we are. And so I will spend probably, probably an hour and a half a day writing to different people in the company through email, telling them that um, this is what I read and I really appreciate and thank you. Wow. And for seeing our vision and believing in us, you know, so I do spend a lot of time doing that. We do divisional breakfast this morning. HVAC did their breakfast with pancakes and eggs and stuff, fun stuff like that. Because we're very diverse culturally, we have every walk of life works in our company, 
You know, we make no judgment on anyone for anything. So we belong to a lot of different groups. Very involved with the gay community. I have a story why I got involved with that community to begin with, but we won't go into it. But, you know, it, we just get involved in different people's cultures and what they are and who they are and enjoy it. I think that that also breeds the team, you know, being one team, all, all with one goal. I love that because it also means you're like really opening your eyes to bigger and grander things, right? And back mm-hmm. to the community as a whole. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. Whether it's Little League or football or what our families are involved in, we embrace that and um, and get involved as well. I love your story of um, walking around by management or whatever the term they use for that. I think I've shared this story once before that one of my first jobs, I worked for Honeywell and we had this big, huge manufacturing facility. And one of the things that stood out to me was the machine operators always would talk about this plant manager, I think was too removed from the one we had at that point. Mm-hmm. And the reason they liked him was because he walked around the plant every single morning, said hi, whatever. There was a relationship there that got created. Yeah. And I just, I'm gone. they don't know the, the current guy. They don't have a whole lot to say about the guy before him. But that guy that was like 10 years ago, they never, I, I kept hearing his name come up. And it was like, that was the key. And they would say that was, you know, he'd come by and say hi. And yeah. it's a huge issue to show up as the boss and yeah. have relationship with the employees, you know, not to be best friends or whatever, but to have access. Yeah. And I do like, like, that's what I wanted to say is I enjoy it. It's part of who I am. I'm not, I'm a get done, get my work done person. But when I force myself to go out and do that, I get to learn what what is going on in people's lives. And I do enjoy it. I had one employee once that I hired. His name's Matt. I'm trying to remember his last name. He's in San Francisco now. He runs, he actually manages a large Benjamin Franklin plumbing company up there. When I hired him, he couldn't even make eye contact, but there was something that I knew was, I liked about him. I, I do have that kind of inner sense sometimes. I, he first came on the trolley and walked then he came with this Volvo, old Volvo, that had a coat hanger to um, keep the hood down. Like it was literally metal twisted coat hanger. And then one Saturday, I hear this honking in my driveway. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And here he was in a brand new black convertible Mustang. And he said, I wanted you to first, be the first person that saw uh, this. What a great story. That is what I get by walking around and seeing people. It's just like, that was the best feeling in the world to me. It didn't, it made a difference. And now I know that Matt, I wish I, at the moment I'm blanking, but he's in San Francisco. He's running a company and he started with me 25 years ago, 30 years ago, just with no ability to even make eye contact. And so that's what you change leave someone's behind. life. That's what you leave behind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that's when you walk around and get to talk to people. It's just different things that come up, but it's it's important to me. And the other part of that is I would have to guess the way he manages and leads. He may have learned it. He might have learned a few things yeah. from you, right? I mean, because obviously he was touched by it. Yeah. So there's where the legacy actually goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah. It does go on and on. And that's kind of what you know, that we talked about before we started my book. And I said, that's why I really started it because I wanted those little lessons to be in there for my grandkids. I want my grandkids to know what my mom and my, and their kids after that to know what my mom said, show me your friends. And I'll tell you about all about you. Cause in society you can go the wrong way so easily. You become who you associate you with. with. You yeah. hang out. Yeah. yeah. And so those are the things I just wanted to be generational because that, quote my mom said over and over again growing up changed my life and so I wanted that for my kids and whoever else in the industry quite frankly because I told you I was very industry involved and 
there are a lot of women coming into the industry. In fact, Thursday I'm doing a an event called Moxie something for women. It's across the United States in the industry to help them know what direction to go in in our industry. So it'll be really fun. But that's what I did that for because I want just those things to be out there when I'm gone. Are your kids involved in the business? I think, I know your daughter is, I saw her at the the BBB awards. So what's, what's that look like? And, um, how, how do you manage that? Because that, that in itself can be a bit of a challenge to have your own, to have the kids in the business. Yeah. Honestly, we grew, grew, and they never had me specifically as a manager. So it worked out quite That's well. That's probably good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right, right, right. And then as we got to the size we are now, we took on the Zappos kind of model where there is no general manager. Everybody runs something themselves that they're in totally in control of. And we report, we have a meeting every Thursday afternoon and we go through where we are just so we all understand. Well, talk about that for a moment. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. So really they don't, they've never worked under me. So again, you're kind of letting go of the reins here. Going back to my original story about the, um, the actor and, you know, that acted in the play and when he produced it, it was a disaster. So that's just kind of when I saw the Zappos model, model, I thought this makes perfect sense. So my son and daughter are both on the leadership team. There's six of us on the leadership team. Everybody has a different area. Kelly is more the communicator. She manages the majority of the managers. And my son, who is super smart, but not a strong communicator, manages all the operations. So that works out. And then we have a CFO who handles all the finance and we have an IT who handles all that on our team. And so that's what the leadership team's made of. It works really well. Um, To be honest, I'm taking, I'm starting to take a step back in 2023 will be my last year. I'll be 67. Oh my. And so. You and um, I are the same uh, age. Same age. And I am. I don't have that luxury. I keep plowing forward here, Mary Jean. (laughs) I just, you know, they're doing a good job and they both went to college for different things. My daughter's actually was in um, communications. They both came back to the company to help me. And so it's time to set them, to let them do this. And it's, and I've worked hard. I'm a hard worker. I, I am definitely not the smartest, by far the smartest person on our team, but I am probably one of the hardest workers. Yes. And so it's just time for me to do this. And so they are all on a, on a path right now and they're doing a lot more of the heavy, heavy lifting now. The vast majority of the heavy lifting they're doing and I'm doing what I really love which is the people aspect and the marketing and things like today. I love this. You know, yeah. this is fun. You have to do the fun stuff now. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm getting to do this where if you had asked me to do this five or even three years ago, there was no way I could take the time out to do it. Right. So it's working out that way. Yes, both involved. They want that legacy of the Anderson brand to live on. You know, it's their family's last name. And and so they're, they're doing a good job. Did you, um, a little curious on that, did you bring out uh, like a third party in to help kind of talk about how do we transition the business or did you guys just kind of figure that uh, out plan yourselves or how did you approach that? Because we've got a lot of businesses today, a lot of boomers like you and I are mm-hmm. starting to age out and it's time to start yeah. to do something a little different. So I'm, I'm sure people are kind of curious to hear, like, how, how did you approach that? You know, I, I started by telling you, I've never been afraid to ask for help. Started very early, early on in life. So I got on the, um, national to national uh, company, some of the top performers in the United States, there's 900 companies. And typically everyone are that start these businesses, start them as a family and pass them along. I was involved with a group. I actually got on the board of directors just recently aged off of that board. 
But so I met people. I talked to them. I asked them how they did it. There were many young people who had taken over their parents' business. And I asked. Got their view. Yeah. I mean, it would be like little things like anytime they ask you a question, say, well, I wonder what Kyle would want to do about that. Maybe you should talk to Kyle or I wonder what Kelly would want to do about that. Maybe you should talk to Kelly. So it was those little things that I learned to start pushing me away. They're more the face of the company now. So So let them own it. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And it's time. They deserve it. They put in so much hard work that they deserve it. Oh, and they've earned exciting. it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Again, the legacy. Pass, yeah. Passing the sign. And that's the way this industry is. Yeah. You know, here we are in uh, 2022. There's lots of recession, inflation, all these kinds of good things. You're running a sizable business. Maybe two questions. What's What are you optimistic about? And what's what are you thinking about that uh, is keeping up a little bit at night? What are What do you, what do you see in the future here, Mary Jean? I've been through several recessions. The Great Recession is where I had bought a heating and air company right before the Great Recession, rolled it into ours. It was smoke and mirrors. I thought I did a good due diligence. I didn't. That was a tough one for me, a really tough one. So that keeps me up at night, knowing that this next year will be my last year. But I did set our budget accordingly. We went round and round and about growth. And I feel like we, we're just finishing our budget for next year now, putting, you know, trying to get it to balance and make sure we have everything in place. And we're not going to be aggressive at the same time going through many recessions. I know that with heavy duty marketing, this is a time you want to market hard and you want to get more of that market share. This will be my last year and I'm going to really, kids are doing the operations, they're running things. I'm going to focus everything on marketing, marketing, and give them that leg up where I think they can gain market share next year. As long as we don't, you know, our industry is somewhat recession-proof, I have to say. When your you toilet's know, not working, your toilet's not exactly. working. Exactly. <laughs> now, they may want not replace it. They may opt right. for repair. Right. They may ask to repair their 50, well, not 50, but 20-year-old air conditioner instead of replacing it, but you still have the business. The needs are there, yeah. And I've already been there. Who goes, sadly to say, is middle management. If things get rough, right. they do like anything in 2008 and nine. your middle management has to be the first to go. I struggled with that. It took me a long time. In fact, I struggled most of the recession, that great recession, without letting them go. But I learned from that, that you've got to look at middle management and you've got to take over and do it yourself. And that's what my kids know that. Right, right. You know, they may, they may if, if things go worse than I expect, they may not have many managers and they may be doing it themselves. And that's okay, too. It's part of, part of yeah, the game, I yeah, guess, when, it, yeah. when things get tough, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of winding things down here a little bit. Unfortunately, it's been awesome. Oh, I appreciate you. your uh, very open uh, conversation about all the things. What's your kind of a big takeaway you'd like people to kind of think about here after all these years of doing this and starting to think about winding down? And if you were talking to a version of you from 20 years ago, whatever, like what's the, what's the big thought you would like them to really be able to embrace? I think... Well, I believe in giving back and we, we've already touched on that. I really believe in giving back. Like I said, you can't take it with you. Leaving that legacy for me is very important. And I think it's had a lot to do with growing our business. I would say probably to run a successful business, if I left one takeaway, it's focus on hiring and recruiting because it's just, you know, and it may be, I mean, more sensitive to it because of our industry, our industry, the trades are aging out at 10% per year. 
and only 6% are coming into the trades. That's a problem. Yeah, it is. Supply and demand. Plumbers make incredible money now. It's scary when you think that we're working with fire. We're soldering and dry insulation up on our backs in a wall. You know, you're working with fire. You're working with water that can cause tremendous damage. We're working with gas. We're working with electricity. You have to have someone that knows what they're doing. And it's it's very scary. A lot, a lot of times it's very scary to me you know, of what I see out there of the watered down training that people are getting. It's super scary. But having said that, um, just kind of throwing people out there and go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. hopefully don't cause too much problem. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm taking this full circle because I think it's so important to find the right people. And we couldn't, we started our school, ACBI, Anderson Career Builders Institute, where we recruit people to come to school with no trade, weren't even considering the trades, but they'll come into the trades and be very, very successful. But it, it is that you have to surround yourself with good people. They weren't there for us. So that's how important I think it is to focus on recruiting and hiring because it will make you or break you and be involved in that process. Don't be afraid to be involved in that process because you've got to get people who see your vision and want to do what you want to do. And so if I was going to leave something, again, taking it full circle because we started our school for that reason, there was no one out there. And we, I couldn't hire the people and put them in a truck that were calling themselves plumbers. The liability would have been huge. Yeah, it's recruiting and hiring. Do you find uh, the folks that you go through the school that they're willing to maintain and stay with you? I think that'd be one of the fears of some people. Like, oh, I train them and the next thing you know, they go off and do their own thing. I'm, you're creating an environment to, to try and keep people and all these kinds of good things. I mean, has that been your experience that? We lose some. Yeah, yeah we do. But the majority are, are very loyal and stay and they're trained well. And um, we don't have to fight that issue of having people that aren't qualified, you know, using yeah. soldering and drywalls, you know, and, and, and using, you know, working with gas. and So a great trade-off from that perspective that yeah. anyone's on the team, at least they're qualified to go do the work, right? Yeah. It's like you're not hiring to find out, oh, we thought this person could do this, and now that we got a disaster somewhere, we got to yeah. go deal with it. And it's not just that portion of it. I'm talking about all the way around is you've got to find the people that – first of all, that are smarter than you or that complement your defects. And then you really have to focus on hiring. It's just such an important part of it. And I think the other thing is to let people know, you know, you asked me questions today and I told you the truth. Yes, I have a learning disability. A lot of people don't want to admit that they have a learning disability. I don't mind that. And I think that honesty is what has helped our business be successful. You don't have all the answers. You're not the smartest person in the room ever. And you need to acknowledge that and let people know what your strengths and weaknesses are and help them and and let them help you with your weaknesses. I love that. Show up as a real person. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't think you're some ivory tower. Yeah. Yeah. I got everything perfect over here. It's like actually show up and go, yeah, I got some stuff. You know what? <laughs> we, I could have said show up like a real person and this interview would be over now. I mean, that, you just said it in, in five words. So I'm good at consolidating. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really good. yeah. And I'm not, I'm very broad. I take the whole, yeah. One of my so, gifts. Though. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that answer. And it, it's like, it's been the whole theme of the whole interview here is it's really about people at the end of the day. It really is. It, it, yeah. And you get great people that are tying into your mission and a vision and what you're trying to do as an organization that yeah. has some passion as doing something good in the community. Yeah. Amazing things yeah. happen. Yeah. I think it's really about helping people become the best that they can be. 
That's what it's all about. On that note, Mary Jean, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking the time to come to the show today and, and share this amazing experience, your insights and wisdom. Thank you, Jeff. And I'm going to go home this weekend and I'm going to read Jailbreak Leadership. Oh my goodness. I am always about learning about leadership. So that's my book I'm going to read. Perfect. Well, that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and comment. And most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our community of business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism San Diego, and Be Local San Diego, who are all collaborating and using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, in the meantime, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, where we are all counting on you.